1: robson civil with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience visit robson civil projects.com.au bj house metal land the coast's trade's choice for tools steel gas visit bjhouse.com.au welcome to saturdays on the coast
2: hi from gosford sailing club one of our favorite venues and uh, alongside me man who play for new south wales play for australia play for parramatta the north sydney bears and the west tigers A little cameo at the West Tigers in 2004, Michael Butner, good morning. steve good morning, and how good is it to be at the Sailing Club today? Uh,
3: A big thank you to uh, the Sailing Club and the Robson boys for looking after us, uh, as they normally do, and... uh, what a great venue. It's a bit windy down here, Steve. But we'll be all right. We won't get blown away, will we?
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely. I've gone for a bit of shelter uh, <laughs> here at the Sailing Club. Uh, wind is howling here at the moment, but just a gorgeous day. And like I said, it is one of our favourite venues. A little later in the show, Buttes, I just bumped into Tom Slingsby's dad. Oh. Tom, of course, Olympic gold medalist and America's Cup sailor. And he's racing at the moment, I believe, in Spain. So we'll catch up with his dad, David, in the second hour. Also, I know you'll love this. Brownie will join us with his Melbourne Cup tips.
3: It's like Christmas for Brownie today. Today is Derby Day and probably regarded as one of the greatest race days of the year because there are so many Group 1 I think it's five group ones, five or six group ones. Yeah. Uh, A big day down in Melbourne, obviously a big week down in Melbourne with the Melbourne Cup on Tuesday. But uh, today is the start of it, Derby Day. We saw the Cox Plate last week uh, at Moonee Valley. And uh, I dare say Brownie's going to have an insight into... Who's going to be favourite as we go into the Melbourne Cup?
2: Hey, Butte's bitterly disappointing last night. Uh, really looking forward to watching the Aussies up against England. I believe it was going to be a sellout at the MCG and it was a washout. So uh, this is, I mean, it's really frustrating about the T20 at the moment and our thoughts go out to everyone in Victoria with so much flooding over the last couple of weeks, what we went through earlier in the year, but it's really affecting the World Cup, isn't it? It certainly is,
3: mate, and uh, i tell you what... It, I'm looking forward to talking to Gary Bergenshaw about the cricket and, you know, where this puts Australia. Obviously, uh, that loss to New Zealand was critical. Now the game against England, they take a point each out of that. Um, Australia currently sitting in fourth position in their pool, uh, and only the top two go to the knockout stages. Uh, The biggest concern for Australia is their run rate, which is, yeah, their net run rate, which is minus 1.55, 1.55. So that's really behind the eight ball at the moment.
2: Yeah, there's speculation there could be three teams finish on seven points. Yes, and at the moment it looks like England's got the tougher draw on paper. But you're exactly right, Butts. The Aussies they've got to put the foot down when they get the opportunity.
3: Yeah, look, again talking to Burke, it'll be interesting because there's for me Finch is is way out of form. Man. You know, despite the fact he's the captain, Pat Cummins is talk about whether he should be dropped for Cameron Green. Um, This is the Australian Test captain that you're talking about. But it's a different game completely, and um, I think reputations and and whatever else needs to be put aside, they are the reigning champs, and they've got some work to do, the Aussies. They weren't great, or they didn't have any great form coming into the tournament, uh, and that seems to be flowing on at the moment.
2: Yeah, one thing I did enjoy last night, Butte, so I was surfing around, I was watching some NBL, actually New Zealand on fire against Adelaide in the National Basketball League. I was watching the A-League, Wanderers, winners last night against the Newcastle Jets. That was two versus three on the table. Mm-hmm. But I was flicking over to the cricket, and I was hoping forlornly that there might be some play. What I did enjoy was seeing the Aussies kind of cruising around the boundary and taking a million selfies. And I, I think that was good to see and signing a lot of autographs, even though the game was abandoned.
3: Yeah, well, you know, that's a, again, that's about the Aussies giving them a bit back. And, you know, there was still people there that wanted to... Uh, we're hopeful to see any sort of action. That didn't play out, unfortunately, but uh, great to see the Aussies giving a little bit back to the fans. Hey,
2: by the way, Buttes, uh, overnight the Kiwis have scored 10 tries to 2 against Ireland in the Rugby League World Cup. We'll talk more about that as the show unfolds. But right now, Buttes, I suggest you rise as one. Yes. A standing ovation for the NRLW Coach of the Year in 2022. John Strange, good morning, mate. You've been like the white whale, but finally we've got you. G'day, guys. How are we? Yeah, we're well. Uh, Butch, you're cracking up at the white whale reference. That's from Seinfeld. Yeah, what's his name? What's... Newman.
3: Newman. No, what's, what is the white whale's name?
2: The white whale. There
3: is a white whale and it's got a name. I can't remember. Yeah. I'm to Google search it well, Let
2: me come back to you. John Strange, <laughs> congratulations, mate. You said to me yesterday for MBN TV, and I find this, uh, I mean, it sums you up how humble you are, but you said you were quite embarrassed to win that award, the Dally M Coach of the Year.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, Steve. It's one of those awards that, yeah, like I was saying yesterday, for the players to get it, I think they fully deserve it. But um, for the coach, there's so many people involved that that go towards helping helping you coach a team. So it's yeah, it's a little bit embarrassed that uh, one person can receive it. But um, yeah, mate, it's pretty nice anyway.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Your team winners earlier in the year in April up mm. at Redcliffe, but then this campaign, the second NRLW this year. Your team were absolutely superb, undefeated, until that game against Parramatta.
4: Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of an interesting year, actually, when you sort of weigh them both up. We, we snuck in in the first season into, into the semis and managed to um, beat the Broncos and Dragons to win the comp when I guess we weren't the best side, to be fair. Um, mm. And then the second season, we were definitely the best side all through the round games and then and then fell short in the semis. So, yeah, a little bit of a... Um, yeah sort of form reversal i guess from from the first to the second but you know that that's footy and we'll all learn from it the players and and myself and all the staff will learn from that semi-final defeat and you know we'll come back better uh better next year
3: what were some of the lessons and and by the way the white whale is migaloo oh yeah yeah migaloo you know migaloo Migaloo. so migaloo i will refer to you as migaloo from now on for the rest of the interview
2: well we did try to get him about three weeks in a row yeah
3: the white whale we can't see him he's gone missing um (laughs) But what were some of the lessons you oh, took bad. out of that, mate? Uh, oh, it's got a ring
2: to it. legal Strange. I,
3: I love it. I love it. What, what were some oh, of the lessons okay. you took from it, mate? Um, you know, because obviously going into the final series, you guys were red hot. Like you were seriously in some outstanding form and the football and the calibre of football you guys were playing was absolutely fantastic. So there must have been like a bit of a, a bit of pill to, to swallow, mate, um, based on what you'd done leading up to uh, that semi-final loss.
4: Yeah, look, it was. Um, yeah, we were playing really good footy. I thought all four, all five rounds, we were really, really strong and dominant. Um, probably our round four game against the Knights was probably wasn't our best, but we did sort of sneak away with a win there with Izzy scoring in the last few minutes. But yeah, I thought we were dominant. But in that, in that semi, I, I don't think there was complacency. Like people have mentioned that to me. Um, because we did talk during the week about the Eels being a really, you know, they've, they've got a, a star-studded side. So there was certainly a lot of a lot of good players there that, that could have, um, you know, played really good footy, which they obviously did. But it was, yeah, just some unforced errors. And, um, yeah, we sort of let the ball bounce a little bit too much in that game, and that led to directly to a couple of tries. And mm. um, from there, they just sort of built pressure. And, you know, we, with Parramatta a side where... They don't give you much. Um, you know, they complete in the high 80s. Um, they have done all through the comp, So they didn't really um, give us much. And then, yeah, like I said, we just sort of let the ball bounce on a couple of their kicks and gave them some early points and they just managed to hold on. So, yeah, it was definitely disappointing. But, um, like I said, we'll, we'll be better next year, no doubt.
3: Mate, what was great about uh, season 2022 for the NRLW uh, and I made a conscious decision myself to get down there to uh watch uh the grand final was the forty two thousand that were there in attendance to see these women run around and, and I think it's just a reflection of how popular the women's the women's game has become over the last you know three or four seasons, whatever it's been since its inception uh that must give you. Uh, a lot of encouragement, and also the girls, a lot of encouragement uh, going forward, uh, and the anticipation leading into season 2023 uh, must be pretty high.
4: Oh, look, absolutely, Butes. It's um, like every year since since um, the inaugural season in 2018, it's just gone from strength to strength, and the, the quality of the players. I think I think that's the biggest thing. Like, you can't force people to watch something. You can't force you know the spectators to go out and and be involved and, and and get excited about a product that that isn't there. So it's the players themselves that are improving every year. And that's and that's the biggest thing I've noticed with the 2021 season this year. There's so many people since then have said they actually really love watching the girls play. It's really exciting that the skill levels improved and the toughness is there. So um, that's the exciting thing for me. It's the, it's actual, the players that are putting the product out there for all the fans that want to get behind and, and like you said, 42,000 people there to watch the um, NRLW Grand Final in 2022 just is a testament to, to where the game's come along. So it's it so exciting to be a part of, for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the first three seasons was dominated by the Brisbane Broncos, but 2022, I'd like to get your thoughts, has been fantastic because the Sydney Roosters get it done for the first time and now the Newcastle Knights, their first silverware since the men won back in 2001.
4: Yeah, look it's good. Obviously it was good for the game for the Broncos probably not to keep dominating. Um so and you know, personally it was good for us to to um, hold that trophy up earlier in the year. But I think it's also good for the for the Newcastle region, to be honest. They've struggled a fair bit with the men. Yeah, you know, I'm not really sure what's going on up there, but they've struggled for quite a few years to get it right. So for the for that town and you know, we, we all know that they love rugby league up there in the hunter, so for them to actually get um get the women to get the job done, I think is really good for for the game um first and foremost, but also good for the hunter region so um yeah, look, it's exciting, and hopefully you know being a bit selfish, hopefully the roosters uh we could we can hold the trophy up next year but but saying that there's ten teams it's going to be exciting, you know it's going to be great for even the raiders to come in, the cowboys for those areas to um to you know all those fans to be able to get behind the women's game is gonna be really special as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last week on this show, I'm not sure you would have heard it because you are the white whale and you've been avoiding us. But uh Butes, Butes said on the show Butte said on the show that he believes we might be seeing the first female immortal and that's Jesse Southwell. Now, Butes, can you elaborate on that? It's a it's a huge call for a teenager, but uh, you've loved what you've seen. From an absolute star of the game?
3: Oh, I have no doubt. Well, again, I don't know whether she'll get to that point, you know, but uh, what she has managed to do in her first season as a 17 year old, uh, and if we have the ability to keep her involved in our game, uh, and she has, you know, a career that could span, who knows, you know, probably 10, 15 years uh, based on, um, you know, where the game can progress. So, Stranger, you've coached against her and, uh, I was fortunate enough to just spend a little bit of time with her, and I've seen her at Austag, um you know, in the junior level. But she's one exceptional talent and, you know, clearly has all the skills when it comes to, um, you know, the couple of tries that she set up in the grand final were just brilliant. She scored one herself. You know, uh, the impact she had in her first game, it was like a Brad Fittler-style step uh, that she ended up going on and scoring a try from. Um, she is one of those superstars that of our game already at such a young age, and I, I just feel that she can establish herself and become, you know, who knows what she can become, to be honest with you, because uh, the talent is just phenomenal.
4: Yeah, she, she is beautiful, and I've been um, keeping a track on her for a few years. I made yep. headlines when she was... Only 15 to to be the first female to, to sign a contract for the Knights. So, yep. Um, and then obviously she's jumped across to the um, to the Union side and won a won a gold medal at the Com um, Games um, for Australia this year. So she's she's very talented. Um, you know she's very confident in herself, which is which is good, especially for a halfback. And you know it's like a, a passing left to right uh, both ways is great. She's a really strong defender. She's got a good kicking game and. Yeah, mate, I, look, I, I think the best is, is still to come, obviously with her age, but um, with a bit more coaching and development, you know, in another two to three years,
5: yeah. you're going to
4: be seeing someone, you know, really special in the women's game. And, um, yeah, look, she's, uh, look she, she'll be in that mix, no doubt, when they start talking about the girls as immortals. And I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm coaching one myself at the moment, a future mortal in Isabel Kelly, um, local girl, but... Um, yeah, but but Jessie Southwell, she's certainly um, very special, and yeah, mate. And to coach against her, it's certainly not that easy because she's got she's got a lot of um a lot of tools in her kit there as well. That um you know as you, as you pointed out there on Grand Final day was out there for people to see. But yeah, mate, she's something
2: special, that's for sure. Yeah, Butte, I, I know you want to say something here, but uh, also uh, I'm surprised that John Strange hasn't spoken to Uncle Nick. And lured Jesse Southwell oh. to the Sydney Roosters under that salary sombrero that they're <laughs> famous for.
4: Oh mate, look, um, yeah. Well, we'll see what you never know what you never know what's down the track. Oh. But I, I, I think to be fair with with a sister um, Hannah, uh, they want to play together, and obviously both Newcastle girls and, and proud Nova Castrians. I think they'll they'll stay in the Hunter, which at the end of the day is, is good for the game. And you know we've got we got some good halves in our system as well, obviously we racing McGregor, but um, another good half-back and I like, to, I like to keep it local with the Central Coast all the time and Jocelyn Kelleher, mate, she's an up-and-coming halfback yeah. um, as well and, and mate, she's, she's really special and beautiful, you'll know her, um, you know, through Oztag and mate, she's, you talk about all those, those gifts that jesse has got, um, mate, Jocelyn Kelleher's not too far behind as well, so mate, yeah, lot, I, I, a lot of good quality to be honest.
3: I agree mate I agree 100% about Jocelyn and uh, maybe that's where Migaloo's been he's been negotiating with Jeff Southwell and Nick Pilato's over the last three
2: weeks hey uh, by the way John can we finish this morning can we finish this morning with uh, a massive rap for your son Ethan last Friday night he was named Rookie of the Year at the Entrance Tigers now he's off to join Ricky Stewart at the Canberra Raiders tell us more
4: yeah look it's exciting it's going to be an exciting journey for Heath. Um yeah he's uh, yeah, uh, yeah, he heads on uh, Monday down down to the nation's capital, and he starts um, pre-season with the NRL there. So I've I've spoken to him a little bit. He's only just turned 18, and he's pretty green in relation to um, pre-season training at that level. So I've told him what it's what it's like at the NRL level, and um, you know, from someone who's who's watched at the Roosters. But I've also heard a fair bit about Ricky and what his pre-season training is like. But um, so yeah, look, he's he's been training hard. He's been at home for the last two months preparing for pre-season. He's been been boxing and going to the gym every day. So yeah, mate, it's it's an exciting journey, but he's, it's it's all in front of him and it's it's up to him. If he works hard, he might achieve his dream.
2: Hey, John, uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on this morning. Uh, but tonight, we're rising as one again. A standing ovation. We know you're far too humble. But huge congratulations from all of us here on winning the NRLW Coach of the Year. So thoroughly deserved.
3: I agree.
4: Thanks, thanks, uh, guys. Really appreciate you having me on. Appreciate John
2: Strange joining us. Our first guest this morning, running a little late. We better get to our first ad break. Uh, the show, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects. Thanks also to Grant Robson for lining up this morning at the sailing club and McDonald Jones Homes. Start your dream home today with McDonald Jones Homes. This is. Saturdays on the Coast on SEM. We'll talk some cricket next with Gary Birkenshaw.
1: Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit RobsonCivilprojects.com.au. House Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast.
2: Yeah, good morning. Welcome back. We're live from Gosford Sailing Club. And at the moment, Butte, well, it's a hive of activity here. A lot of young kids have got the life jackets on, and I believe they're out in the tackers at the moment. So, you know, if, if I could go back in time, I would have loved to have done more sailing as a youngster on the Gold Coast well, at Palm Beach Currumbin. I've got to say, Steve, I,
3: I took your advice. Yeah. Last week you spoke about... Um,
2: <laughs> you took my advice. I took your advice for
3: once. <laughs> you talked about the... Uh, King Richard. Yeah. And then I watched during the week. Um, a you little knew bit. the whole
2: storyline. Yes, I knew it also. There was no surprises at
3: all, which was great. Yeah. But um, I then watched the bit about the Australia's, uh, America's Cup.
2: Oh, 1983. Yeah. off Rhode Island, John
3: Bertrand Island. Bertrand and Alan Bond and Ben Lexan and uh, The wing like keel. An hour and a half. Like, it was really interesting and, you know, I'm glad we're here at the Gosford Sailing Club because I found it riveting just to, he's a very smart man, John Bertrand. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, he just wasn't a sailor. Like he went about methodically, you know, studying and un- and really understanding what needed to be done for Australia to win hey. the uh, America's Cup.
2: And don't forget what they were up against: Dennis Connor and Liberty, like. And the New no. York Yacht Club, who yeah. for
3: 132 years had owned that trophy, uh, it was such a big shock
2: to them. Th- that day is unforgettable. Oh. in 1983.
3: It was amazing when you saw the footage of them crossing the line and the impact that it had on Australia. There was quarter of a million people in um, Perth when they come back from um, America. But there.
2: in Fremantle. In
3: Fremantle, yeah, 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 it was just amazing. It just, and I was watching it, and I had chills up, you know, the back of my spine because I was only what 10 at the time. But I still remember getting up early in the morning and, and watching it and yeah, finding in the news that Australia had won.
2: I thought about that myself uh, with some of the sport that's on at the moment. Uh, the fact that in the old days, you used to get up. Yes. I think I got up in 1991 to watch the Wallabies in the, in the World Cup final. Uh, you know, I watched them play against the Irish. Yep. And Campisi scores in the last minute. Nowadays, because of the saturation coverage with all sports... You know, you don't feel like you have to be up early in the morning, but I think I will be for the World Cup soccer.
3: Yeah, yeah, I will too. Like no the Rugby League it.
2: World Cup? I'm not setting the alarm at the moment. I guess, what about you? No, I'm not setting
3: the alarm at all. i watched the three-minute recap, <laughs> re- especially the games that are being played at the moment. But, yeah,
2: um, let's talk more about this in a moment. We've yeah. got to get to Gary Berkinshaw. Uh We'll talk some cricket. Berko, good morning, mate. We come to you after the Aussies game against England was a washout last night, unfortunately. The big result this week, though, is England going down to Ireland. Uh, tell us more. Good morning, mate. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we? Yeah, well, well, what what were your thoughts of the massive upset? And I believe it's under the... Is it the Duckworth-Lewis system where England go down against the Irish?
6: Yeah, Duckworth-Lewis system, eh? It certainly come out and, uh, and had certainly had an impact on, on the World Cup with no doubt no doubt about it. Uh, Ireland being in front by five runs, England unable to get back out on the field. Look, look I think for anyone who's um, you know, watching the Cup, I think England were going to go on and win that game. Moan Ali was really staying to hit the ball really well, but... As I said, if you don't watch the calculator while you're in batting with rain about, you could end up on the wrong side of it. And that's that's what happened. It certainly brought uh, the World Cup alive and certainly kept Australia's hopes very much alive with that result.
3: Yeah, it certainly has, Burke. Like, it's such an interesting pool when you look at, you know, the permutations now. Obviously, Australia, they really need to play their two remaining games um, and get victories. And and I would suggest they need to be... uh, very good victories because their net run rate is uh, very poor at the moment when you can consider where the other teams are at. Um, England obviously have to take on New Zealand at some stage. That is going to be a massive game and there are so many permutations that can take place uh, in this 2020 format uh, to get down to the uh, knockout stage. Sorry?
6: Yeah, look, yeah, you're right there, Button and look, and I think Australia's chance in the World Cup will will really come down to the New Zealand-England game. You know, New Zealand beat England. Australia should go through because they've got to play Ireland and Afghanistan. I think because Australia was so poor last Saturday night, I think they're really going to struggle to make up to make up that run rate, given the fact that, that England and New Zealand also have still got to play some of those, the lesser sides as well. So, um, so for them to, to suffer a significant uh, net run rate loss and from where they're coming from now, I think the only way Australia will get through is if New Zealand can beat England.
2: Yeah, it's been hard to follow, hasn't it, boys, because of these rain delays and matches being abandoned. Would you agree, Burko? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. You know, it's just the nature of where we are in this country at the moment. There's just
6: so much rain about it. Yeah, just trying to get continuity of games. It's even hard to follow as, uh, as, a, you know, as, a, as a keen watcher that I am. And, but one thing that's really come to focus, and it's one thing that I think that, that the organisers will address moving forward, is the fact that we're having double-headers at, at the same venues on the same day. So we're having double washouts. That, I think, probably mm. uh, is, a, is a big issue. You know, we had two games in Melbourne, both got washed out. We played in Sydney, one played, one got washed out. So I think, I think the idea, it's a great idea to have the double-headers for the crowds and everything like that. But I think, moving forward, I, I can't see it probably happening again, to be honest.
2: Hey, Burko, can you come back in just a few moments? We're off to the news, but we'd like to talk about Central Coast local cricket. In particular, I believe there was a double hat-trick and also there was a big ton down in sixth grade. We'd like to talk about a few of those players in just a few moments' time.
6: Yeah, mate, no worries at all.
2: Gary Birkinshaw joining us, the guru, the world's best administrator involved with Central Coast cricket. We're back after the news. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN.
1: Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ House Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast.
2: Yeah, good morning. Welcome back. And we're talking to Gary Birkinshaw about Central Coast Cricket. And Guru, is it correct there were five hat-tricks last weekend, including a double hat-trick in Central Coast Cricket?
6: Amazing day last Saturday. Yeah, five, five hat tricks across juniors and seniors, and, and male and female. Kerry Seymour took a hat trick for Northern Power in the in the women's first grade competition. And Adam Walsh from Narara in the third grade took took four wickets in four balls across two overs. So he took uh, he took three, three wickets got the hat trick in the uh, at the end of the one over, and then took a wicket with the first ball of his of the next over. And ironic Steve you'll love this. So the, the match was actually being live streamed. Uh, third grade game, Lizardo the live streaming of the game, and they got Adam Walsh's first wicket, and got the fourth wicket. Missed the second and third wicket, because the, <laughs> the streaming went down, so he's uh, so a bit disappointed with that Walsh, but uh, no, quite amazing. Five hatchets on, on one day. And plenty of runs being scored,
3: mate, uh, over the weekend. A big ton.
6: Yeah, yeah it was a, a big, uh, big ton by Braden Smith, uh, playing for Warner Vale six straight so I He gets 128 off 94 balls, but probably quite amazing, is he's hit 19 fours and four sixes, so he's actually got hundred. 100 of I his mean 128 in boundaries, so which is which is quite amazing. But um, didn't like to do a lot of running. But out of his 94 balls, you also looked to say he scored 100 off 23 balls. So he was a bit slow for the rest. of it. it's just uh, so, play around, but so, a good a good knock in any case. But the other one as well who started the season in great form is Brock Hardy from the entrance. Probably one of the yeah. the best players that we've got running around the coast at the moment. Only a, a young player, he got 100 in, in round one game against King Cumber of Acre, and he's currently 53 not out against Southern Spirit today so well on track for, to make it back to back 100 so he started very well also.
2: Yeah, what can you tell us about where these games are at as we head into uh, day two in first grade?
6: Yeah, Yeah. look it's been a, been a pretty interrupted start of the season. Uh, we've we only got two results uh, in round one but round two we've got four games started last weekend and you know, Northern Power, they, they're sitting really well at the moment. Northern Power and the Enders both sitting well. They've They've gained first innings victories already. Northern Power bowled um, Brisbane Water out for 47 last week with Dave Mullen taking 5 for 17 and Hayden Murphy 4 for 4. and that 7 for 191 now, so so they'll push very strongly for outright points there. While over at Rogers Park, uh, the entrance bowled Woi Woi out for 88. Connor Haddo, uh, a young left-arm spinner, come over from England. He's taken five wickets, consecutive five wicket haul for, for Connor and... They didn't reply that for, 5 for 108, sorry, the entrance. So they'll also be pushing for an outright result. Uh, Wyong are playing King Cumber. Wyong got 141, and they've got King Cumber 3 for 47. So that'll be a very, very uh, interesting finish there. King Cumber had a first-round loss to to the entrance. So they'll be trying keen to get some points out of out of that game as well. And another interesting clash is Narara versus Terrigal. Narara... Uh, they declared last week, they got uh, 7 for 177, and, and they declared Andy Ryan, the, the veteran of Central Coast Cricket, he got 80, and James Smith, the captain, got 57. But they struck late as well, and got uh, one of the leading bats, Boyd Radcliffe, out uh, out the Terrigal Match. And so they'll resume at 1 for 8, so uh, that'll be a, a very interesting contest as well. And the final game, uh, Warner Vale versus Lisro, they didn't get on last week up at Lingara, so, so they'll, they'll play today, trying to, to generate some points and get a result out of that over today, but Interesting, interesting setup so far. Only two winners: the entrance and Brisbane Water. So, I think in the early part, the entrance certainly looking to be to be the benchmark. Well,
3: it's going to be great that uh, with the weather the way it is, that we're going to see some action today, which is fantastic. Burke, I want to go back to the T20, and we saw Zimbabwe upset South Africa the other night. But I want to touch on the Australian side and. Um, You know, with the the form of Aaron Finch or lack of form for Aaron Finch, and he he said it himself the other day after his knock, I think it was 31 from 42 balls, that he just wasn't seeing the ball and couldn't hit it and all those things. That's got to be concerning, you know, going into a game. Well, they were going into a game against England where it was almost do or die. Um, And then there's talk about, you know, Pat Cummings and whether he should be dropped uh, for Cameron Green. Um, yeah, it's not a side that is in good form at the moment, and as reigning champions, uh, they're in a tough predicament.
6: Yeah, you're right there. And, and look, yeah, Australia made the call twelve months ago after they won the T Twenty World Cup, and they've backed Aaron Finch in since. And I don't think Aaron Finch has scored a run since. So mm. at the moment, I think it's a real, it's a real liability that they're carrying. They, they, you know, I think they really need Steve Smith to be in that middle order. I think it showed against, yep. um, showed against. New Zealand the other night, is it, it's all it's all firepower through the middle, no substance and when it come off alright Mark Stone has got him over the line again, but you need that anchor in the middle of it. and you know, I'd I, I hate to see him bring Steve Smith in and, and drop Tim David to do that, I think it's the opening spot that they've got to do but they're not going to drop Aaron Fitch now, they they made that call but you speak about the bowling. Like their best T Twenty bowler is not even getting a game, and they talk about bringing Cameron Green in. But Kane Richardson over a number of years has been oh, their yeah. best T Twenty bowler, yeah. and and yet we're playing we're playing our Test bowling attack, and and you know we've evolved our batting and changed our batting line. our bowling, we're still using our Test bowling lineup, and and you know it's um, you know and they, they tend to go the distance when when pressure applied. That's all. Three of those bowls, test bowling length, which is fantastic at test level, but they're all going for runs at the moment. Even Josh Hazelwood, he he, he can go for 20 runs and over, which they all care doing T20 cricket, I get that. But Kane Richardson has developed a real good skill set. He's more focused on the T20 game and he certainly should be in our bowling attack and, and Steve Smith should definitely be in the batting lineup. Uh, the,
3: you know, what it does show, Burko, is that, you know, it's a specific style of cricket now. This T20 game... Um, and, you know, I guess in the past, when it first was introduced, you just expected the, the same players to, you know, the test players, the one-dayers, to be able to play and, and convert to T20 style. But it's a specific skill set now, and your best test bowlers aren't going to be your best yes. Uh, it's, a $20. Good,
2: it's a good point you raise, but it's because it's like watching the Wallabies in action versus the Australian rugby, rugby seven. Yes, correct. Yeah, they're totally different games, aren't they, Burko?
6: Oh, they certainly are. You only have to go back to last Saturday night. So New Zealand goes out and bats with with Finn Allen. Like no one would know who Finn Allen is, you know, yeah. unless you're a student of the game or a New Zealander. And he's come out. It's 42 off 16 balls. Just attacked our our Test lineup bowling lineup. You know, and really they, they didn't have an answer to that but if you've got like a Cambridge that comes in and they, they do it all the time they, they, they use that, they use the batsmen coming out of all the time in, in T20 cricket so they, they've got a, a greater skill set than what, what's required to bowl at, at test level and no one's saying the Star Hazelwood and Cummins aren't our they? best three quick bowlers in the country, no one's saying that but when you look at T20 cricket and we are slow to adapt to the T20 format and if we won the T20 in um, in the UAE yeah, you know, twelve months ago. But we've got to remember, we went into that tournament ranked number five in the world. So we played mm. a really good, yeah, you know, really good couple of weeks of cricket. Won a couple of games. We got over the line with, with that. But you know, we we do not play t Twenty cricket really well because we don't we have we we don't play enough of it to start with. Because our best players don't play enough of it, um, and we don't play a lot of t Twenty cricket around the world, even as a, as a nation, as uh, compared to everybody else. So we just trot out the same players, you know year in, year out, and, and we got a lot of players who still play three formats of the game, and you look around that, there's not a lot of players in the top side who do play all three formats.
2: Hey, Berko, uh, Buttes has got one more question, a very uh, quick one before we go to our next break. Yeah,
3: I just want to touch on that uh, innings from Kohli uh, against Pakistan, 20, 20, what was it, 28 they needed, I think, with eight balls to go, and he got 27 of them. <laughs> Yeah, it was just one mighty performance, and you know, it just goes to show why he, you know they referred him as King Coley.
6: Oh, how good was that? That was that was just fantastic batting, and just the way he paced the innings. Like he, mm. he said, in the end oh, I'll to take this game." And and you know what it showed to me, Butch, and, and it was mentioned on the on the commentary as well, is that go back and have a look through the innings, and how just see so try and count how many shots that he played that were not. Regulation cricket shots. There was no fancy change of reverse sweeps, yeah. no sort of backing away, no sort of no, no ramps. No, it was just pure cricket shots, backing his building. and obviously he had the power to do it. But that sixty hit to start with, they needed twenty-eight off eight balls off the back foot of, of Harris who bowls one hundred and forty-five, one hundred and forty-eight kilometres an hour off the back foot straight bat over his head for six. It's, yeah, it's it's the first time I've ever seen it done. It was just magnificent batting and. For a bloke whose position was under scrutiny, you certainly come out and show them, and uh, and certainly, you know, it was a match winning, there's no doubt about that.
2: Uh, I tell you, boys, there's nothing quite like seeing a batsman just absolutely tonk it. Yeah. Like, with their timing, the crowd, the, the reaction.
3: Well, the reaction, you know, this, you're talking 95,000 people at the yeah. MCG the other night to watch
2: this game. A lot of people saying it's one of the best knocks of his career.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He said it was the best knock of his T20 career, no doubt about it. But yeah. I heard commentators talking about the atmosphere at the MCG. It was the equivalent of Cathy Freeman winning the Olympics yeah. in the 400 metres. Like, it was just... Amazing.
2: Hey, we need to go to our next break. Berko. I uh, just want to, I know you love podcasts. You might want to check out Dermot Brereton. He's got a podcast called Conversations That Could, and a lot of it's yeah. got to do with mental health, but his conversation with Neil Baum. Wow, like, oh, yeah. you know, what, what a player. I know you're a Richmond fan, so he was a superstar back in the early 70s, and he was a real enforcer. But across his career, and he's been boned numerous times by the footy clubs he's worked for, but I think in total he's won like 11 premierships across his playing career and also his administration career. Yeah, he's a,
6: he's a, fantastic, he's a fantastic player for Richmond, a really hard nut. Coached coach in Sample with success, coached in for Melbourne, not with so much great success, but as an administrator at Collingwood Geelong and Richmond, he's been fantastic. He's, I'll, I'll listen, listen to that podcast, but he's also got a book out, Steve as well, it's just been released just recently and uh, they tell me that that's a great read also
2: Yeah, good on you Guru thanks for your time this morning, enjoy Central Coast Cricket this weekend
6: Yeah, good on you guys, once again appreciate your support
2: Gary Birkinshaw joining us the world's best administrator and uh, we're off to another break, we do this all thanks to Robson Civil Projects, they're celebrating their 60th anniversary Uh, thanks again to Grant Robson He's teed this up this morning for us Mm. to be at one of our favourite venues, Gosford Sailing Club. We're sitting right on the back timber deck overlooking the water. It's a glorious day here. A lot of junior sailors are in action. A little bit later in the show, hopefully we'll get David Slingsby to tell us what Tom's up to at the moment. Uh, He's competing, I believe, in Spain at the moment, so we'll find out a little more. Next up, though, we'll talk some A-League with former mariner Brad Porter on SEN.
1: Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ House Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast.
2: Yeah, good morning. We're live from Gosford Sailing Club. Absolutely love it here. But we're downstairs on the deck, but upstairs it's like uh, palatial. Up there with with a world class <laughs> menu,
3: palatial. <Belichial. laughs> yes, it is. It's beautiful up there, yeah. and the, I've got to say the food is fabulous here. I did notice the boys have put the uh, pie warmer on, Steve. So hopefully by the end of the show we might be able to rip into one.
2: Yeah, the uh, text line oh four double seven seven three six seven three six. The open line thirteen hundred forty two fifteen thirty three. After ten we'll get brownies. Melbourne Cup Carnival tips looking forward to this he can't wait Hayden Smith will join us as well so Hayden superstar in surf life saving but he's just returned from doing the Chicago marathon in just over 2 hours 50 unbelievable and I'll tell you what else is amazing about Hayden is 3 weeks before he left he had a hip injury and was in doubt of even competing so yeah, really looking forward to hearing that story and there's been darts on this week in Gosford. Ah. The legends darts. So players from right around Australia have been here. Uh, and this is an over 45s format. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken Lupton, a.k.a. the Kahuna, <laughs> will join us. The, <laughs> we've had Migaloo and we've got the Kahuna. <laughs> in the second hour of the show. Hey, let's go to Brad Porter now. Time to talk some A-League and also EPL. Brad Porter, good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. And the champions are on their way to town. Western United this afternoon. Yeah, obviously a,
5: a big clash in the A League this afternoon and I'm sure uh, you know Nick Nick and Sergio have, you know, been uh, you know, had the boys in training this week after a disappointing first up performance in the first home game last week against Perth Glory. Um been a bit of great opportunity I think to get back to hopefully winning ways in front of our own fans, um, against a team who's, you know, probably not had the best start to the A League season either.
2: Yeah, Brad, uh, I never want to be negative about our own team, but last week we led 1-0. Sammy Silvera finds the back of the net yet Mm -hmm. again. And then just give us your thoughts about the way it unfolded. And the second goal in particular was just a calamity.
5: Yeah, look, it was just one of those days. I thought Sammy Silvera was probably one of the only bright sparks of the performance, to be honest with you. Um, And look, it can happen at times, obviously, the you know, the. The delay against Newcastle and not being able to play, you know, you would have expected more or hoped for more uh, in the first time game. But look, it can happen. It was just one of those occasions where there was just too many players that were, were too far away from their best. Um, and at that level, you, you get punished for it.
2: I did say on MBN TV, sorry, Butes. No, go ahead. In the NBN story, uh, I asked the question, and journalists asked the same question where was Dan Hall? And he was available, but but not selected. Do you think we need to rush him back into the back four?
5: Yeah, look, if he's fit and available, I certainly would. Um, I don't think the the two central defenders have, have necessarily clicked yet, although we have to give them time. They're obviously new to the club. Danny Vukovic has obviously come back as well, so uh, combinations need time, obviously, to click, but um, Dan Hall's obviously proven and, and had a fantastic year last year, so I'm sure you know Monty's certainly got that in the back of his mind.
3: I think, Brad, when you think about uh, the loss last week, it's probably more imperative going into this game uh, because you don't want to, you know, you can't win a comp this time of year, but you can certainly not give yourself a chance to make the finals um, and can certainly lose a comp if you don't get off to a good start or a decent start. And uh, this game for the uh, Mariners this weekend, really imperative they uh, get, the two, uh, get the three points uh, at home.
5: Yeah, definitely, and it's it's even more uh, important this year. We've obviously got the World Cup coming up, so there's almost this six-game, uh, I guess, mini-season before you know the clubs obviously break up for, for the World Cup. So um, certainly I think the teams that get off to a good start in this first six six-game block uh, leave themselves in a good position uh, to kick on once the World Cup's done. So you know, if, you're, if you're behind the eight ball heading into the World Cup, obviously it's going to be... Um, Difficult, obviously, to keep players conditioned, keep players fresh uh, once that break uh, finishes.
2: Hey, Brad, uh, Butte and I had a lengthy conversation off the air a few moments ago about Man City and their... Unbelievable striker Butes, can you pick up the story?
3: Uh, my son showed me this morning, Brad uh, Harland, <laughs> and, and showed me footage not only of you know the goals that he scored in the EPL, and he, you know he's on track for to break the record. I think he's got 17 goals at the moment in 13 games, yeah, which is yeah. just yeah. phenomenal.
2: We spoke about the one where the goalkeeper, the distribution was just brilliant. Maybe a little like John Crawley, uh, the distribution from the keeper. There was a shirt front, and Butts and I both said. If that was the A-League, there would have been a free kick to the defensive player, but in the EPL, it's play on, and he scored a magnificent goal.
5: Yeah, look, he's a, look, just an incredible talent. Um, yeah, and there was a lot of people kind of suggesting that maybe you know, a move to Man City, would he fit at that particular club? Because you look at the profile of him as a player, it's not necessarily in the mould of a Pep Guardiola type, uh, yeah. but he's just been incredible since he's gone there. He's going to break all sorts of records. Um, He's, you know, obviously Ronaldo and Messi are the two modern-day kind of greatest of all time or, or spoken in those terms. You know, if Harland continues where he is, he, you know, a decade's time, he'll be in that conversation for sure.
3: I've got to say, Brad, I'll, my son also showed me some footage of him uh, at Borussia Dortmund and his style of play, and they highlighted different, this uh, YouTube footage that we were looking at, just highlighted, not only is he a defensive player, like, you know, when you know, they've got corners and whatever else. But as soon as there is a changeover, he is on his bike. His speed is exceptional.
2: And power, beauty. And
3: power, And you know what, mate? It's The thing that impressed me most of all, and I said to my son, I said, this isn't, you know, he's got that speed, which is great. But he could easily not put that effort in. And it's the effort that he continually puts in. Mm. And there's times where you get rewarded for it. And because he's such a good finisher, he gets rewarded probably more often than not but there's also plenty of times where he won't get rewarded for it.
2: Hey, boys, uh, we're on our way to the news. Uh, unfortunately, Brad, we've really got to cut this short, but made magnificent from you again. In fact, I move a motion that you and I, we run some kind of football podcast over the summer. Are you on board?
5: Mate, I'm all in. Just, just have to say, though, just before we do break up, I um, need to let you guys know, Adam Kwasnick, uh, obviously SCN royalty when it comes to football, he struggled this week with the success of last week's segment. Um, so I think it's important that one of you guys, you know, check in with him, make sure he's okay, uh, him let him water. know that he's still got an, important, he's got an important role to play whenever I'm sick or unavailable.
2: Yeah, radio. So, Quaz, are you okay? Yeah. We're putting that out there. SOS to the Quaz. Look, we can't even joke about that. No. Uh, my people will talk to Quaz's people after the show, but keep up the good work, BP. Love your work. We're off That's to the okay. news. We're running late. Uh, we're back next. We'll get Brownies' best bets oh. across the Melbourne Cup Carnival on SEN
1: robson civil with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience visit robson civil projects.com.au bj, BJ house metal land the coast's tradies choice for tools steel gas visit bj welcome to saturdays on the coast
2: Yeah, good morning. We're live from Gosford Sailing Club and loving it here on the back deck. This beautiful, glorious club. Uh, The kids are out there in the tackers this morning. One thing I've loved, Buttes, is just watching, you know, how stringent the water safety is from Gosford Sailing Club. And the kids just loving it down here and great breeze for sailing as well. Hopefully this hour we'll talk to David Slingsby, Tom's dad, about what he's up to in Europe. Tom, of course... Probably our greatest sailing product, Mm -hmm. Olympic gold medalist, and of course, uh, America's Cup sailor as well, the great Tom Slingsby. But right now, Buttes, I think you should rise as one. Brownie returns to the show with his best bets across the Melbourne Cup Carnival. Brownie, I think I remember you saying this is your favourite day in racing. It's Derby Day. There's two million for the Derby, there's two million for the Coolmore, I think seven million in prize money in total. Good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show.
7: Yeah, great to be here, Steve-O. hello, mate. Yeah, what a day it is. Derby day. It's just all top-quality racing at Flemington today. Uh, It's a soft track at the moment, a soft seven, and the rain's out. Uh, I may get a downgrade to a heavy track later today, so that's going to advantage some horses, disadvantage some others. But uh, all in all, it's a terrific day of racing, and uh, yeah, and we're counting down to the Melbourne Cup, which is obviously only a, a few sleeps to go until we get to that. The barrier draw for the Melbourne Cup happens tonight, uh, which will be all important, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a wet Melbourne Cup as well, but uh, a terrific day of racing coming up today, boys.
3: Yeah, what about last week, uh, Brownie? Uh, Animo and his performance in the Cox Plate, outstanding win.
7: Oh, wasn't it what? And I tell you, I was I was watching the race, and it was all only for me a matter of probably bad luck in running for Enemo. Uh, he's just an exceptional horse. And when he was in a position about 800 metres from home, I turned around to my young fellow I was watching it with and said, this is over. I said, uh, you know, J-Max just got him in a spot here. He'll peel off, and he'll just be too strong for them. And he was. He was brilliant. Enemo, uh, just, yeah, outstanding. And... It's going to be interesting. I don't. Godolphin aren't going to retire him, but what they mm. often do with you know valuable horses like that they're not going to retire him yet, and they're thinking that he'll come back, have another prep here, and they're going to aim some for some races overseas with him as well. So uh, exciting horse, uh, that's for sure. But um, but today, boys, Derby day. So big day, um, big day. It is. You see, with Derby Day, um, look, you can with the juveniles, if the trainers opt, they can opt for a Melbourne Cup if they're nominated for, it, for the horses. But there is one more last chance for a Melbourne Cup today, boys, in the Lexus, which is the 2500 metre staying race today. Um, to, uh, it's basically an exemption to get yourself into the Melbourne Cup if you've got the penalty. So, uh, look, it's the Lexus today, 2500 metres. I like surefire, uh, providing it doesn't get too much wetter by the start of that. Um, the Wakeful's another terrific race over 2,000 today and I like one at a big price at 20 to 1. Uh, let's Be Frank Baby worth an each way ticket. I just think Let's Be Frank Baby will be in a very, very good position uh, up to, close to the speed without a lot of pressure. Uh, in race five, a horse called Crosshaven. at 14 to 1, I think a 10 to 1 now will also run well. But in the derby, um, you've got some really, really good, strong horses here, uh, like Sharp and Smart, the top weight. Berkeley Square will be hard to beat. But if you're looking for a roughie, number 13 Distrustful Award, I think, can probably run a bit of a sneaky race at about the 25 to 1 uh, mark, boys. So, now, have you boys found a Melbourne Cup winner yet?
3: Uh, not yet, Brownie. It's too, way too early for me, mate. Way too early for me. I do want to touch on.
2: Uh, I'll tell you what I want to touch on. I'm yeah. jumping the gun here. You mentioned about the yeah. Lexus, so they jump at one o'clock. Brownie, I noticed yep. that eight winners of the Melbourne Cup have taken out the Lexus. Brew is one of them in 2000. Think big way back in 1974, but even more recently, Prince of Aaron in 2018. Yes,
7: that's right. So I mean, it's a while. Bart Cummings used to like that as well. He used to uh, he used to use it as a bit of a pipe opener for his horses there, knowing that they're on the quick back up into the Melbourne Cup on the Tuesday. 2500 metres, they've got another 700 uh, to travel uh, on the uh, Melbourne Cup day on the Tuesday. But it, it's often a good good way for a horse. Uh, they just keep them fresh from that. They just take them for a bit of a swim in between races. So look, it's definitely a path where. Uh, I, I don't know if we will see the Melbourne Cup winner come out of the, uh, the Lexus today. I don't really like those form lines quite as strong. Um, I, I do like the horse surefire, uh, but I just think he's, he's probably, if he, if he wins today and goes into the Melbourne Cup, unless it was a, a, a huge win today, I don't see him threatening uh, some of the other chances in the, uh, in the Melbourne Cup on Tuesday. And look, if, if I can skip to that, boys, to the, to the Cup for Tuesday... Um, At this stage, with the weather forecast... I'm actually liking a local victory in a horse uh, called Montefilia. Um, she was magnificent in the Caulfield Cup. Both her and Douay, who I think also got a very good chance mm-hmm. on Tuesday. In the, in the Caulfield Cup, these horses, they went wide on the turn. They covered extra ground. And a horse like Durston, who won the Caulfield Cup, has since been scratched. But Durston had a bit of a suck run up along the rail. These two covered more ground and their closing splits were both exceptional. So it's a really, really good form line for a Melbourne Cup on Tuesday to be finishing off hard in a poor field cup so the only thing with the track is douai doesn't want it too wet, Montefilia wants it as wet as it can be so I think they've got outstanding chances both of those horses, I think a, another horse at around the $18 mark is a horse called Young Werter um, which would be into you know, Young Werter's come in a little bit as well very, very good in the Cox Plate behind Enamo uh, and that's just a pipe opener. That was never going to be Young Werder's go. Um, the Cox Plate, that's wait for age. Drops in wait for uh, for Tuesday for Young Werder. Was off the scene for a long time, but I've always had a really high opinion of this horse, and uh, he's come back brilliantly. Overseas horses, you've got the favourites again, like Deweyville Legend, um, I don't know about Deweyville Legend. I'm not sold. Got strong form lines from uh, from OS around that horse. Kamora's an interesting one, but I think out of the overseas horses, uh, I'd be more inclined to back something like Gold Trip, who we've seen here a couple of times in Australia, who's raced very, very well without luck. Um, you know, done a bit of extra work, got caught up behind horses, so Gold Trip's another one uh, that can run a very, very big uh, race on Tuesday, I believe, even though Gold Trip will have... 57 and a half kilos so um, at this stage boys I'm sort of playing around the Montevillia, a Young verder uh, for, for Tuesday and, uh, and Gold Triple Runner a big big race as well and of course we just wait to see what happens out the Alexis today.
2: Hey have you guys have you guys seen the commercial where the guy uh, I think it might be a sports bet ad where you know there's a guy that thinks he knows everything about racing <laughs> and they've got if you see this guy report him to the authorities. <laughs> but uh, Brownie, can I ask you uh, can I ask you a question about jockeys? So for a yeah. mug putter, are you following particular jockeys in the Melbourne Cup? Because I you never mentioned do. Yeah.
3: You've got yeah, well, you, you think about the form of James McDonald at the moment. And yeah. how good he's yep. going. Well, like, he, well, well
2: Brownie mentioned Deweyville legend, and Kieran yeah. McAvoy's on board yeah. uh, with 55 yeah. kilos. But uh, yeah, just a question for yeah, mug putters. Are you following some of the great yeah. jockeys?
7: Okay, so I, I, don't, I don't follow jockeys or trainers. I always do all of my form on the actual horse. Uh, I'm sort of, a, I mean, I do notice, it, it, to me, it's more of a reassurance if you've got someone like a James McDonald on your horse. It's just an absolute reassurance that, you know, he, he reminds me a lot of Darren Biedman, James McDonald, that he used to just put the horse in the right spot regardless of the barrier. So if, a, if you know, the horse is drawn right off the track and you go, right, well, it's going to be posted wide with no cover. It'll have to run an extra 300 metres. It can't possibly win. Those sort of jockeys just somehow manage to find a way to snag a horse back and, and, and move it across take a pass to the rail or get cover with a horse in front of it. So the, the top jockeys definitely can do it. I, I know people that just back the jockeys um, and look, you'd go broke if you just backed a jockey because even the best ones, their winning percentages are like 30% or something or 32%, which means you know they're going to they're gonna ride more losers than winners. But at the same time, it, it's just a way of, of having confidence. And look, I, I'm not sure yet, but I actually think James McDonald at the moment is without a ride in the Melbourne cup yeah. uh, because of the scratching of, uh, of durston so uh or was it uh, no loft loft the overseas loft. horse that came yep. out um that he was going to ride so you've got i think both damien oliver and james mcdonald at this stage without a ride in the melbourne cup but of course um you will find another one maybe force its way into the field today uh, there is a slim chance we won't see either of those jockeys on tuesday racing in the melbourne cup uh so it will be interesting to see how it does play out. But definitely with a job I mean, James McDonald is, is as good a jockey as I think I've seen. So I, I, I think he's absolutely amazing. Look. But there's only, a, there's only a, a little bit between all of those top jockeys, in my opinion.
3: And he won last year on Very Elegant, the Melbourne Cup.
7: Yeah, yeah, and and I'm still. That was still a and such a magnificent win, and you know, very elegant. They took her overseas to try and aim her at an arc, and she uh, she hasn't run at a top over there. And I'm sort of a little bit, little bit. uh, it's, It's a little bit frustrating because she's such a good horse. But you know, they've got to travel to the other side of the world, different trainer, different conditions, and look, she ran. Just average over there. Uh, I think she's uh, I think she's a better horse than what she showed over there. But uh, she's going to uh, she's going to uh, now go to uh, to mum Judy's, which is fantastic. Uh, and since I last spoke to you boys, uh, Winx has had a foal as well. So um, yeah, some, some exciting stuff for the future. That's for sure to see how the packaging of these I superstars. I, I,
2: Hey, Brownie, uh, do we need to take Butes' temperature? Like, have a listen to his credibility and his knowledge of the racing game. I mean, he's gone through some kind of metamorphosis since we worked together at uh, 2GO.
7: Yeah, look, and, and yes, you know, it's, it's been a long, hard battle, but uh, but but all I'm wearing him down slowly, mate. Yeah. I'm uh, the only thing I've got to do now is get him into a share of a horse with me, and uh, <laughs> then we'll be good. Then we'll be set. It's
3: <laughs> amazing what it's uh, amazing what Google can do for you. you <laughs> make you sound like a genius. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what would that What would that foal be worth? Uh, Winx's foal. Oh
7: goodness. Um, Where do we start? Oh, I, I'd, yeah, basically whatever someone wants to pay for it, really. Uh, yeah, I right. don't think the owners will sell. My, 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 guess, my guess, put it this way, probably you wouldn't sneeze if it was 1.5. If it went to, one, to auction, it went for 1.5, uh, you know, or $2 million, depending on the sort, the physical type. It could be, you know, re, you know anything. But the, the owners have got that much uh, dough after uh, Winx won $28 million or whatever that yeah. they don't need to worry about selling the horse. They'll just wait and see what, what, what she does.
3: And this will be the interesting thing with Animo when they do decide to make that decision, um, to put him out the stud, he will be earning a mozza. Absolute (laughs) mozza. All
7: right, Browny, great way to earn
8: a living, eh? (laughs) Uh, mate,
3: that's all I want to do. When I when I pass away, come back as a horse out the
2: stud.
8: (laughs) Yeah, not a bad gig. (laughs) All right, let's. uh, We've taken this down a path that
2: uh, we (laughs) need to move on. It's uh, sixteen past (laughs) ten. Great great to have you on, Brownie, and uh, as always, gamble responsibly. And, mate, uh, look forward to getting your report next weekend during the Cups Carnival. Sounds beautiful. Good on you, boys. Take care. Brownie joining us with his best bets across the Melbourne Cup Carnival. We'll take a quick break here. David Slingsby has joined us. We'll talk to him in just a few moments' time. And we'll also catch up with Hayden Smith. What a run he's had in the Mm. Chicago Marathon and as you know, Beauty also works for McDonald's and they've raised over a million dollars, I think 1.6 for Ronald McDonald House. So a lot of McDonald's franchisees from around the world have also run in the Chicago Marathon. So we'll hear more about that in just a few moments time. It's Saturdays on the Coast, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes on SEN.
1: Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit RobsonCivilProjects.com.au. BJ House Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit BJHouse.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast.
2: Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Gosford Sailing Club, and we promised you David Slingsby, so Tom's dad, but David. A sensational sailor in his own right, a lifelong sailor. Great to see you down here this morning and just loving being at this venue. And we've been watching the uh, tackers. Can you, can you tell us more about this type of sailing craft and basically for beginners?
8: Yeah, it's a, um, the tackers are effectively optimists, uh, which are you know, eight foot uh, dinghies, very popular around the world. Um, and Tackers is a, a sponsored program by Whitworths and uh, the club was lucky enough to purchase eight of these uh, Tackers uh, thanks to donations from a few club members.
2: Yeah, fantastic. And uh, it was great to see you first thing this morning and uh, obviously the first question I asked is uh, how Tom's going and he's in Europe at the moment?
8: Yeah, Tom's in Barcelona. Um, it's what they call the TP52 uh World Series um, Super Series and uh, this is the last event of um, a five event program and uh, overall he's coming second, I don't think he'll get to first, there's only uh, one night of racing or one day of racing remaining there, uh, they hope to get two races in but the breezes have been very light
2: Yeah David, we, uh, we've we seen him sail in everything but what's a TP52?
8: TP52 is 52 foot um, sloop uh, quite popular amongst uh, rich people um, <laughs> so,
3: so
2: you'll never
8: see us in a butte. Nah, the, nah, the nah. TP52 Dave's
3: uh, got three of them
2: yeah right
8: <laughs> and uh, uh, very competitive uh, class there's uh, uh, the boat Tom sails on there's a boat called Phoenix uh, which is uh, registered in South Africa um, yeah so he enjoys that
3: Dave how different is it skippering different vessels, is there, you know, obviously, you know, Tom's world-class, and in fact, he won, you know, the World Sailor of the Year in 2021, so, you know, he can jump into anything, but is it, you know, I guess it's like motor racing, you know, you've got to change from different car to a Formula One car, and, you know, driving's driving, but ultimately... You know getting used to that type of vessel and and what that is it tough to be able to adapt
8: yeah well i mean tom's role on the tp-52s is as a tactician actually yep. and uh, on um in this particular regard of the owner's daughter uh, tina is steering the boat and you know they've been doing uh, you know, pretty well um but yeah to move from you know one class to another um yeah certainly there's differences that you've got to keep up with yeah I mean, for Tom, the uh, TP52 is a slow boat, uh, you know, compared to uh, the Sail GP, yep. you know, foiling catamarans and things like that. Uh, Dave, do you ever
2: have concerns? Like, we see them race, like, in areas like San Francisco with the Golden Gate Bridge as the backdrop, but, I mean, the speeds are phenomenal now, aren't they? Like,
8: as a, as a parent, how do you feel? Uh, I feel fairly comfortable because um, I know that he's, uh, you know, got the skills to do it. Um, but also, the, you know, now that there's uh, nine boats racing in, in every sail GP series, um, the umpiring is really coming down hard on anything foolish that any of the boats yeah, but, do. Because, and there has been some of that, hasn't yeah, there? And, sure. and, and they've been called
2: out as well by some of the other sailors and skippers. Yeah, there's been a few instances of that. Mm. Tom might have been involved in one of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A- absolutely. And you said overnight he didn't have his best race. Is that what you told me first thing this morning? Yeah, they... or, or was that in the kind of silence? Oh, I'm not <laughs> sure.
8: Yeah, no. On Friday, Barcelona time, uh, they only had uh, one race uh, because it's very light air, and uh, Tom says that uh, they had a communication problem and they broke the start and had to go back. Um, and they end up finishing last in a 10-boat race. So from a tactician
3: point of view, I'm just trying to understand the role there. So you've got the owner's daughter who's steering the boat, but she's basically being guided by
8: yeah. Tom and being, given
3: direction by him and yeah. so on.
8: Being guided by uh, Tom as a tactician. They have a strategist and they have a navigator. <laughs> Right. So, yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of So there's of empty of information that, coming to her. Yeah. That's,
2: that's like four people being in the car, your wife's driving the oh. you, so you're trying to tell her where to go yeah. in Sydney. And
3: the, yeah, correct. Yeah, I can understand. <laughs> Unbelievable. So how does, yeah. that all, how does that all work then, mate? You know, Obviously, everybody's got their own different roles and
8: yeah. positions. Yeah. You know, and then the rest of the crew are the ones that are handling the sales. They're and, doing all uh, the hard work. like that. Yeah. Hey, uh, David, uh, what can we look forward to
2: at Gosford Sailing Club across the summer?
8: Ah, we've got a few regattas coming up. In a couple of weeks' time, we have the uh, Contender um, State Championships. Contenders are uh, 16 foot long, uh, one man sailing them on a trapeze, uh, designed by the uh, legendary um, Bobby Miller. Or Yeah, so uh, we've got them. We've got the uh, Etchell States in February up here. So, uh, yeah, there's a bit to look forward to.
2: Hey, we'll have to come back in February, Buttes, for the ed- Etchell State. And Etchells are in action
8: this afternoon? Yes. Um, we've got one race on this afternoon for the Etchells, and hopefully there'll be 10 of us out there having fun. Well, you've got, yeah. you got a bit of wind, which is always nice. Yeah, not the direction we like, though, no, out of the I west. Gotcha. <laughs> out of the west, OK.
3: Yeah. Where do we prefer it, Dave?
8: Well, some of you love nor'easters, but... Uh, I, I'm starting believing in climate change, I reckon. The nor'easters that I used to get as a kid, you, you don't see them now. Yeah, right. Yeah,
2: yeah, and westerly, we love them as surfers. But, uh, Dave, great to see you, mate. Congratulations to Tom and everything he's done. I remember before he really... I mean, look at him now. Uh, tra- travels the world, uh, absolute legend, but let's not forget he won five world championships in that laser before he won the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Um, had a disappointment in Beijing and then got, to, got the job done in London. Ab- yep. Absolutely amazing. What, what a career.
8: Like- yeah. Uh, he said to me when he was in uh, year 11, Dad, I don't need to do year 12. I'm going to make a living out of sailing. You bloody stay at school, kid, and get year 12. <laughs> he, sh- but, he showed uh, you. <laughs> he, he, no, he, he had had some foresight that I didn't have. Yeah, yeah we're and, also... Uh, pr- he's done well. So proud of him. There could be a statue of him down here at Cosford <laughs> Sailing Club. No, I
2: have no doubt. I have no
8: doubt. <laughs> Don't know about that. David yeah.
2: Slingsby joining us. Uh, we're off to the news in a few moments' time. We're back with Hayden Smith and also... Uh, but I know you're looking forward to it. The Kahuna is, oh, is coming up.
3: We're talking darts.
2: Yeah, Kenny. We're
3: covering everything.
2: Kenny Lupton, the uh, legends have been in town. I got to Gosford Leagues Club on Monday for MBN TV. The Premier Division, they're up on the top floor. So they're isolated. There would have been a couple of hundred up there. Then you go down to Level 1, where it's Division 1 and 2. There would have been about 400 people. Uh, so darts is alive and well, and uh, then on the ground floor is Division Three. Remember back, so, back, at, back down, in the, down old, in the basement.
3: Remember back in the old days where, like, they watch <laughs> it on TV and <laughs> they'd be. Chugging down a couple of pints while they're on the darts.
2: Well, let me tell you, there was plenty of, uh, of the amber fluid being consumed gotcha. on Monday. Yeah, excellent. At, at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. I'd be disappointed if there wasn't. <laughs> i got to say. Off to the news. Back in a moment. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN.
1: Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ House Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast.
2: Yeah, good morning. Welcome back, live from Gosford Sailing Club. And just a reminder, if you missed any of the interviews this morning, so we had John Strange earlier, Dally M Coach of the Year in the NRLW. Uh, also, Brad Porter joined us. We had Gary Birkinshaw talking Central Coast Cricket. Uh, you can, you can uh, download the SEN app, and the Catch Up podcast will come out a little bit later on today. Well, Butes, I told you I've been looking forward to this interview all day. So this guy, Surf Life Saving Superstar... He's been on the show before, but now he's gone to Chicago and run the famous Chicago Marathon in a, an incredible time, two hours, 54, 40, 54 minutes and 40 seconds. What makes it even more remarkable is I saw him at Mingara three weeks prior to the run, and he wasn't even sure that he'd get to Chicago, had a, a sl- well, not a slight injury, a serious injury, and he's done an amazing job. Just out, uh, It's a small PB for him. One day he's hoping to go sub 250. Uh, Hayden Smith, good morning, mate. Congratulations on behalf of Butte and myself on an amazing run in Chicago.
9: Morning, guys. Thank you. Thank you. had a great time. Happy with the run. Um, Appreciate you having me on your show.
2: Yeah, I tell you, looking at your numbers, your first 25Ks, were you you sub four-minute pace? I mean, that is is just brilliant.
9: Yeah, I was sub four-minute pace uh, until about... Thirty. I went through 32k just under 4 minutes pace average. Um, I sort of laboured a little bit the last 6k, but yeah, I had had 18, for a swimmer, I'd had, had 18 weeks of, of really, really good running training, and I, I think it was on for a 250 probably time, um, and unfortunately, three weeks before the race, died, I got a labral tear, so a not tear in my hip, and had to have a zone, and then uh, one thing after another from that point, I got a chest infection 10 days before the marathon as well. So despite those, and those things can happen in sport, uh, despite that, so I was happy to still do a PB at my age, that's for sure.
2: So is this maybe one of your greatest ever athletic achievements?
9: I certainly haven't hurt that bad for many, many years. So the last 6K were... I had slowed to 4.30 per k, which is usually not hard running for me at all. But, you know, I know my heart rate for the last 30 minutes didn't go below 185 feet. So when you're nearly 42, 185 feet after two and a half hours and 30 minutes, that, that's going to hurt.
3: Yeah, it shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> it shouldn't be doing that, mate. Um, the injury and, you know, like you said, you had the chest infection and, and all those things. Yeah. Like, obviously, you weren't... Going into the race uh, 100%, but to do what you did over there is quite remarkable. Like, I just, uh, not only is it a, 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 you know, amazing feat, but uh, also, you know, physically, but more mentally. The fact Mm. that you had just put yourself in this position and, you know, got yourself to the point where, you know what, it was only your last 6Ks where you're only running at, like, most people would be happy to be running at 4 minute 30 pace. Um, And here you are knocking that out for your last. Uh, 6K it's, and disappointed about that?
9: Yeah, No, it's... Oh, I'm certainly pragmatic about it. I was happy with the result. I, you know, I think... I don't think there'd be many surf life savers, irrespective of their age, that are, you know, from a swimming background that could run sub-three hours and be some sort of six minutes under the sub-three hours. So, mm. happy with the run. I'm motivated because I think I have more. Um, consequently, I'm now going to do the Comrades Marathon... In 2024, which is the world's oldest marathon in, UK, in Durban, South Africa. So there's of people to go and do that. So uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy the running. Obviously, I'm a I'm a swimmer by nature, and much better in the ocean than on land. But uh, I enjoy marathon, marathon running. Is such a puzzle to put together. You can you can do 18 weeks of you know I, I didn't go under 100 kilometers a week of running for 18 straight weeks and injured and if you get injured that that's going to play a big uh, I committed to go my a goal was a 250 before I got injured so I still went out and approached the race like I was going to try and do that so I went through the first half in one and, uh, it wasn't until the last sort of 40 minutes that I started slow and um you know I I laugh when I finished, I, I finished and, and spewed all over my shoes and then nearly fainted. So, you know, you know you've put in some good effort when you do that.
2: Yeah, I, I tell you, Bute, I think you've hit the nail on the head when you said about, for Hayden, it's more his mental attitude. Now, I really enjoyed watching you in your preparation at Mingara. I think one night you ran for an hour on the treadmill and your goal was to hold 15-kilometre pace the entire time. Is, is that correct? And they're the kind of sessions you were doing before you went to Chicago?
9: Yeah, I did some good sessions. I, every, I I basically spent every Tuesday and Thursday my hard intervals on the treadmill. So I got up to doing sixteen K's worth of efforts at seventeen and a half K an hour and then I, I built up to doing three by ten K at fifteen K an hour on the treadmill, so thirty K at, at four minute K pace. So you know, those are the kinds of things that you gotta do. Um Funnily enough, uh, another guy I was running with, Andy Morrison, so local triathlete also my age who competed in the Hawaiian Ironman the same day. More impressively, the, the same week I hurt my, my hip, he actually got a stress fracture in his shin. Um, he knew it was bad, so he didn't get a scan on it. So he still went and completed the Hawaiian Man with a stress fracture in his shin bone. Oh, jeez. That's unbelievable. There's a guy you need to go and talk to. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. I, I, I want to touch on... Uh, Hayden, the performance, and I'm sure you would have seen it, uh, Ned Brockman and what he was able to achieve, um, you know, running, you know, the 100-odd Ks per day for 43, 45 days. And it was great to see the reception he got when he came into Bondi uh, and the coverage that he received, you know, on the social media, etc., raising over $2 million. But, you know, I'd like to get your thoughts on what you thought of his performance
9: athletically, it's an unbelievable performance. And it goes to show you what the human body and human mind is capable of if you really commit. So, you know, it's an astronomical amount of running, 100 kilometres a day for 45 days. And if you hear about who had a serious leg injury, drove 18 hours, got a cortisone, drove another 18 hours back, had two hours sleep and then proceeded to run 650 kilometres in the next week. It's unbelievable. But I, you know, personally, so there are very, very few examples of that extreme athleticism and human performance like that. But I actually think more importantly was how impressive it was that Australia embraced the homelessness cause that he's raising money for. And $2.5 million is going to change some lives, that's for sure.
2: Yeah. Uh, Speaking of raising money, I'd like to talk to you about McDonald's as well, because when you're in Chicago, you've been raising money for Ronald McDonald House. But let me just ask you this. Have you taken any time to consider that Elliot Chipkoge, the greatest marathon runner we've ever seen now, he would go through the half marathon in what, around about the one hour mark?
9: Let's not forget, Hayden... went through. Yeah, 59 Let's minutes. not forget,
2: you're actually not that far behind. Now, I know you'll scoff at this because, you know, it's probably six or seven kilometres that you're behind, but mm-hmm. for a guy who's mm-hmm. in his early 40s, you know, you're kind of... Uh, in, in my opinion, that's one of the first things I thought. Like, you think of the best in the world mm. and Hayden Smith is not too far behind... You know, six or seven k's behind the greatest of all time, and you're in your mm-hmm. early 40s. Mate, you must be so proud of that performance, and that's at the half marathon stage.
9: Thanks, mate. Yeah, no, I certainly am. Uh, I'd be happy to race Eliud in a surf Ironman race any day of the week. <laughs> <hope I'm laughs> race a running race, but yeah, listen, I, I, I'm a big part of me now. Is you know, I want to be the best example I can to my children and. Being fit, strong, and healthy is key for me as a husband, as a dad, as a business owner, and as a mentor for young people on the Central Coast. Uh, so it's a big part of who I am. And you know, I I have a good record in in the surf. I've won the last couple, of and I've, you know, got a good track record in in surf life saving events. And the marathon, while it it appeals to me because it's it's not naturally what I what I do, and it's a real challenge to put together. But I actually just really I just really love the feeling of pushing my body and being fit, so uh, it's a good fit.
3: I think um, it's you know you're certainly doing that in terms of being that role model when you consider mm. not only have you managed to you know knock out 100k's a week for 18 weeks, um, you know in preparation yeah. for this. And that's
2: something you do, Butes. Yeah. Every day you set yourself challenges, do don't some, you? Do
3: something, but mate, you're also running you know, multiple businesses there, McDonald's stores, and um, I think you're setting a great example for a lot of people, mate, and, you know, about time management and about, you know what, uh, I've got a little saying that, you know, energy creates energy, um, and it's one mm. of those things that you can either sit down and, you know, do nothing or you can keep yourself active, and, you know, clearly, um, when you sleep, mate, I dare say, you sleep comfortably.
9: <laughs> yeah, thanks. I, I do, listen, I think... There's a general saying that if you need something done, you ask a busy person, and um, it's mm. probably true. I'm I'm a busy guy, but outside of my family, uh, nothing is nothing gives me greater pleasure than the outstanding young people that we employ, and the work that Ronald McDonald House Charity does for seriously ill children and their families. Uh, and you know, I, I'm a huge supporter and lover of the McDonald's brand. Um, a, a lot of it has got to do with the. The people stories that we have. So, my wife you and I, uh, we employ 550 people in our four stores. But you know, it's, it's we're the biggest employer in Australia, the larger McDonald's brand, and we take pride in that.
2: Yeah, and speaking of McDonald's, uh, did you raise the franchisees? Did you raise 1.6 million while you're in Chicago? Congratulations, mate! Yeah, thanks. That's
9: it's uh, a huge effort. We're really fortunate that. Um, that the Chicago, the main beneficiary for the Chicago Marathon is Ronald McDonald House Charity.
2: So uh, that's something we're very, very proud of. Yeah, well, well done, mate. Uh, yeah, in fact, I'm, I'm rising. I'm, I'm going to get up to you. giving you a standing ovation. Oh, no. uh, congratulations, you. congratulations, mate! And particularly after I saw you three weeks prior to the run, and you're in a world of hurt, and you weren't even sure that you were going to get there, and then you you set a new PB: two hours, fifty-four and forty seconds, and Great to have you back on the show, mate. Best wishes for the rest of 2022. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Hayden Smith, Surfly Saving Superstar and now Chicago Marathon Runner and with a PB as well. What about that run in South Africa? That sounds like it would be amazing.
3: Mm. Yeah. Uh, You know, what is amazing is Hayden and what he's able to do. Like, you know, marathon, you know, he's... Life-saving and what he's done there, world championship, national champions—like it's just phenomenal what he's able to fit in. And 550 people he's employing through his four Um,
2: stores—that
3: in itself is, you know, he's got plenty of things that going on.
2: He's um, also—he's great friends with Kyle and Kara, who were superstars on the block, and he actually trained with Kara. And he told me the story. So she ran the marathon during the pandemic, and he said, "People are welcome to come and train with us." But if anyone anyone runs faster than 5 minutes 30 per kilometre, they're not invited back. He wanted her on this strict time schedule so that she doesn't go and blow out. She's not running sub-5 minutes. Uh she's not running 5:45 she's sitting on 5:30 and
3: pacing that, yourself and
2: And I think if you look at her GPS that's exactly what she did. Yeah. So everything was planned down to the the final seconds.
3: It's interesting how you know the marathon wo- uh, you know those runners work in the sense that, that they're very good at knowing their pace and you know that you know if you want to run at 5 minutes they know and they could be within 5 seconds either way of what that means and then they can blow it out to 5:30 And again, they just know the pace and and what's required to get their body where they need to be.
2: Yeah, we're off to uh, off to a break. We're back in a few moments. but you're looking forward to this. The kahuna oh, is coming up. On we're going to talk some darts. Kenny Lutton is next. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN.
1: Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ House Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast.
2: Yeah, final break this morning and we're live from Gosford Sailing Club and Buttes on the text line, 0477 736 736. That's 0477 736 736. Does Buttes want to start a rugby league podcast? Talk all things Penrith and Penrith premierships. And that's come through from Adam Kwasnick. Oh, no. That'll be boring.
3: That'll be boring,
2: Quaz. <laughs>
3: <But laughs> no, nah, of course. How good are the Panthers? Qua- fantastic.
2: Fancy Quaz sending a text through. The great yeah. Adam Kwasnick, second highest goal scorer in Mariners history. That's good that he's listening, and tuning he's, in. He's been usurped oh, boy. by his former teammate, Brad Porter. The quiet achiever, BP. Yeah, well, what about BP's knowledge? Oh,
3: yeah, this is good. He knows his stuff, doesn't he? <laughs> no, so does Quaz. Let's not underestimate how good Quaz is.
2: Why, should we have, like, some kind of duel, like at the OK Corral?
3: Why not? The football off.
2: Yeah, all right.
3: Yeah, football knowledge off. <laughs>
2: Bring it on. Hey, I know you've been looking forward to this, yeah. and this guy has been waiting patiently. In fact, he's at Tewoom Bay Car Park. The Kahuna, Kenny <laughs> Lupton. Good morning, mate. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast.
0: Can uh, tell fellas. Thank you for uh, having me on.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> What's going on, steve He's very
2: formal. Yeah, he is extremely <laughs> formal. Kenny, the Legends darts has been in Gosford, and we've had hundreds playing. How's the week been, and who've been some of the winners in the Premier League? It's been a
0: fantastic week. Um, I think you need a new abacus, Steve. we had about 270 players and about another 40 or 50 people uh, accompanying. This is probably one of our lowest attendance Last few years, impacted by COVID, I think, but uh, there were 33
7: events contested over the over the week, five days of competition, which finished up yesterday.
0: Um, they have the presentation night tonight, but of that 33, New South Wales picked up 18 titles and eight runner-up awards. So they uh, they did pretty well in
9: that in the events overall.
3: Uh, uh, and what was a what was a highlight, Kenny? The uh, or who took out the the most prestigious? Uh, Competition or league?
0: Well, I think I think it's that the a lot of guys would like. There's four divisions: a Premier Division, Division One, Two, Three, and Four in both men's and women's. But I think a lot of people would agree to win the Premier Division singles would be uh, a high accolade that everyone would like to achieve. And the Premier Men's was won by uh, a great guy named Jeff Ward from Victoria. Jeff Jeff actually had an accident. Uh, late last year and did something to a couple of vertebrae at the bottom of his back and he, he's walking with a lot of pain and he, how it's affected him. He was still out of throw fantastic darts and he and he knocked off one of the New South Wales competitors, Jimmy Davies,
2: that mm. minds her is about 78, 79. Minds him, it still throws fantastic darts. He knocked him off in the final. Uh, hey, and uh, Ken also competed. Uh, Ken... It's now off to WA, where I believe they're a bit of a powerhouse when it comes to darts. But uh, just uh, give us your thoughts on how everyone's enjoyed coming to the Central Coast. And when it comes to the Abacus, I'm telling you, mate, when I went down to Level 1, there would have been four or 500 people in that room playing darts on Monday.
0: Yeah, well, it might have looked like that, but uh, in reality it was a little bit less. But I would have loved to have that many. I'm sure the club would have loved to have that many front up to the bar all the time, so but February um, really next year, they're already telling us, get your accommodation book, get your, get your uh, car hire and your airfare book because there's going to be over 600 uh, players. That's just players, about the onlookers, because Adelaide's bringing in over 100 people for the first time in the Legends darts. Uh, uh, one of the guys from New South Wales moved to Canberra and started up a, uh, a group down there and then the first couple of months, they've been about 25, and that'll build from next year. Queensland legends have been out of it for about six years, or coming back in. And as we they're going to uh, come along, but a lot more people will come along
5: from Tasmania, because they're trying to get it for the following year down there in Hobart. So, yeah, it's all to look
0: forward to till next year. One thing yeah. I need to mention to you though, Steve, Connie Spinks who you interviewed, and she told you she won 13 titles actually beaten by the two Sue O'Connell, in the final of the Women's Premier Singles Championship, so she just missed out adding another uh, singles title, but she was in the winning Women's Premier Team, so yeah, she did pretty
2: well during the week as well. Yeah, I tell you, I loved it, and uh, can you just give us a quick history lesson on the legends? So, it's been going for over a couple of decades, is that correct? Yeah, it was about and. Sorry, I was a bit
0: early. They said they, they started about 98. Um, the, the Australian Dance Championships started out in 1964 as the Australasian Championships, which included New Zealand. In 1980, they held the last Australasian, uh, and it was in Newcastle at the Workers' Club before it fell down, and, Aust- and New South Wales won that team event. That's the that's the open dance, so that's not legends. That's all, all ages over 18. And since then, uh, that's kicked on. And now, around about just before the, uh, the 2000, a couple of the old-timers in Australian darts decided to do something for the some of the older players whose maybe, maybe their ability was just starting to wane a little, but their enthusiasm certainly wasn't. So they created an opportunity for dart players over 45 to come together once a year and have an Australian, and they called it Legends, uh, have their Australian Championships. And championships run this week, I think, was the 24th or the 25th, and um, it just gets bigger and better every year, and tonight tonight they'll share a drink, they'll share the games that, that uh, they just missed, or the doubles that they just missed, and they'll be all looking forward to uh, the championships in my
2: Yeah, great stuff, Kenny. Uh, Pleasure to have you on the show, mate. And I really enjoyed covering it on Monday. And Ken also told us, Butes, that MBN TV, actually in Newcastle, was the first. Network to show darts live on Australian TV. So they've got their little place in history. Kenny, we need to leave it there. Thanks for joining us this morning. To all of our guests, thank you. And you can check out the Catch Up podcast a little bit later on today. Thanks to Adam back at headquarters. We'll catch you next week. We've got three more shows left in 2022. Saturdays on the coast on SEN.